Well, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky. Praise team for leading us in that time of worship. Uh, church, really quick, I, I, first off, I, we need to pause just for a moment and have another prayer time. Um, right before I got up here just a moment ago, uh, right when the service started, I got word that, um, that Andrew Crosby, who is one of the pastors here, um, we hate to see the Crosbys leave. Next week they'll be leaving town, but we just got word that Andrew Crosby's father is having a medical condition. I'll just put it at this, at that way at this point and has been taken to the hospital. And um, Andrew's here. Allie's supposed to be leaving town, I think, tomorrow with some responsibilities for their new job. And, and I can only imagine that right now things are just swirling around in their minds and just the, the chaos that is involved in all of that. So can we just pause for a moment and, and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Um, Lord, we thank you, as we've already said, that you are a God who's in control of all things. Lord, right now, I just lift up Andrew's dad to you. Lord, I pray that you would just reach down and you would touch him physically. That Lord, in the midst of this uncertainty, that, Lord, he would feel your presence and know that you are certain. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for strength for his body. Lord, we pray that you would be with the doctors and nurses, that you would give them your wisdom, Lord, as, as they do whatever needs to be done. That, Lord, right now, even though we don't know what's happening, we know that you're in control. So, Lord, I pray that you would just move in their midst, move in his life. Lord, I lift up my brother Andrew, my sister Allie, to you. I thank you for them. I thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that you have brought them to this place. And, Lord, I know that even though you are moving them, that, Lord, you're going to continue to use them for your glory. Lord, I pray that right now as we open up your word, that you would speak to our hearts. And again, Lord, we would be reminded of your certainty. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your copy of God's word and turn me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12 this morning will actually be all over Proverbs like we have been. Pastor Jamie and I, as we've been walking through these Proverbs, we've been seeing different aspects of wisdom and how that plays out for us in our lives. I go back to the very first definition that we laid out weeks ago now. We think about the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that it represents. There's a definition that we put forth, and as we've continued to walk through the Proverbs, we've seen this definition just explode, right? Come to life. What is wisdom? Well, wisdom, according to the Proverbs, is understanding that results in good judgment such that we please God, do right by our fellow man, and flourish in our own lives. Wisdom is that understanding where where we begin to live our lives in such a way that we bring glory to God. And as we do such, we also live right by our fellow man, all to the praise of God and his glory. That's wisdom. And that's what we pray for. That's what we desire. That's what we want to be characterized by. But as that wisdom begins to unfold itself in our life, there's certain aspects of that wisdom just begins to, to penetrate and permeate every aspect of our life. And We've seen different aspects of wisdom as it unfolds in, in the book of Proverbs and how we as God's people should live and act and react and respond. This morning, 
we're going to, con- we're going to continue that study, and we're going to, we're going to touch on a, on a subject as it relates to wisdom that, um, can I just be honest with you? It's a struggle for each and every one of us. This morning, we're going to consider wisdom and honesty, wisdom and truthfulness. Now, understand that Proverbs, when we talk about honesty, when we talk about truthfulness, it it, it uses a, this concept of honesty that extends much further than just simply telling the truth. It begins there and absolutely is a huge part of honesty throughout the scriptures, and especially here in Proverbs. Truthfulness is key, but it extends even beyond that. When we think about honesty in the Proverbs and honesty throughout scripture, honesty involves maintaining truth and moral, moral integrity, really, in every aspect of our life. But clearly, it does begin with this concept of truthfulness. One of the greatest moral principles in the Bible is the necessity of truthfulness. First and foremost, our God is truth. Our God is truthfulness. Our God will always be truth. He can be nothing less because if if he were not truth, he would not be God. But praise him, he is a truthful God. And then that ripple has a ripple effect in every aspect of our lives as we draw near to him and he draws near to us. It is a, it is a key principle throughout scripture, the necessity of truthfulness. Re- regardless of, of society's opinion, regardless of what the world says, there is truth and God is truth. The Bible teaches us that a, that a good person, someone who loves God, who fears God, who respects God and walks after God, a person like that, the Scripture says, is a, is a good person. It, it, that person is, is honest, while continued deceit and lies are marks of the wicked, according to Scripture. Now, can I just go ahead and say, I've already acknowledged it, but let me say it again here. We all struggle with lying at times. It's just human nature. I mean, my wife and I, we, we have five kids now. We have a foster child in our home, and we have five children. And this is one of the things I've learned as a father. I've never had to teach my children how to lie. Not once. It, it's, it's a job. It's a task. It's, a, it's something that my wife and I, that we work at diligently to teach them how to Actually, to be honest, to, to tell the truth. I remember one time that my daughter, Hannah, who's here this morning, and, and I did ask for her permission to use this as an illustration. I always got to check, right? I remember when she was about it's kindergarten, she was in kindergarten. Uh, one day, my wife and I, we walked out of our house. We were back in Alabama, and we walked out of the house, and, and we saw in the van there was something from a distance, something, it was just like a, this, this scribble down the van, and got really close to it, and, and I realized that someone had taken something and basically scratched up the entire side of my wife's van. And right there on the side door, out of all the scribble, you could make out a name. And being a preacher's kid, you can imagine that the name was actually Jesus Jesus scratched into, etched into the side of the van. Now, you know, you might, might think you'd be frustrated, but part of me was like, well, that's great, right? If it's going to be anything, I guess it could be Jesus. 
but, but I knew something wasn't right, clearly, right? Well, here's the thing. My oldest son, who a few years older, he, he once had done something similar. He had taken, I think it was a screwdriver and scratched up. It was my truck or my wife's van, I can't remember. And, and, and of course, he had gotten in trouble, and we asked him why he did it. And there was, sorry to be crude, but there was bird poop on, on the vehicle. And, and so he took the screwdriver to clean the bird poop off and, and left his mark on it as well. So he would already gotten in trouble, and he had been told, don't ever do that again. So this time, I see Jesus etched into the side of my wife's van, and we began to think, okay, who was this? And, and, and we knew that, that Hannah, our daughter, was the only one that really had been playing around the van that day. So we went to her. Hannah, we need you to tell the truth. Did you write on Mama's van? No, sir. You can imagine, right? No, sir. Well, little does she know, we walked around the van just to see where else maybe there had been etching and scratching and walked around to the other side and, and there was another name. And that name was Hannah. Clearly written on the door, legibly. We knew who it was, but we were testing her. We were, we were asking her. Here's the truth. Look, we, we all have a tendency to lie. We all have a tendency to be dishonest. So when we come to the scriptures and it talks about lying and, and deception, hear me, this, this understanding in, in the Proverbs, it's, it's beyond just the, the occasional fib. Now, hear me, is that sin? Absolutely. But we also see here in the Proverbs that there's a, there's a situation where there's a person who habitually, continuously, deceitfully puts dishonesty out there to improve themselves. Where do we see it? Proverbs chapter 12, read verse 20. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Listen to it again. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Now, no, notice here how, how deceit is contrasted with joy and not with truth in this scripture. I mean, when you think about it, when, when you continue to plot evil against other people, a habit of deceit is ultimately embedded in your heart. The word here in this scripture for plot is sometimes translated as plow. So just like a farmer would plow his field to ultimately produce a certain crop, the person who is wicked, the person who is evil. In other words, the person who does not follow God in his heart and in his ways ultimately is plowing rows of deceit that will ultimately yield its fruit of evilness. On the other hand, according to this scripture, the, the person who promotes peace, the person who walks with God, the person who is honest and truthful, that person will reap ultimately the blessing of joy in their life. We see elsewhere, Proverbs 13, you'll see it on the screen. The righteous hate lying. Proverbs 13, verse 5. The righteous hate lying, but the wicked bring disgust and shame. You see, the scripture is very clear. 
that if you and I, if we fear God, in other words, if we're God-fearers, if we're those who follow after God, if we want the things that God wants, if we pursue His heart, if on this side of the cross, if we receive Jesus Christ into our life, the, the very presence of God Himself, if we're walking with God, then we will absolutely love the things that He loves and will hate the things that He hates. And the Scripture tells us clearly that God hates lying. And as a result, we as his people, we will hate lying. We will hate the things that God hates. And God hates falsehood. How do we know that? You've been there in Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 22. Same chapter we were in a moment ago. Proverbs 12 verse 22. Listen to what it says. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord. But faithful people are his delight. God finds lying lips putrid. God finds the lips of those who lie on a habitual, continual, right, in a deceptive way as something that is absolutely disgusting. And and he hates it. But his delight, his pleasure, his joy is found in the hearts of those who walk after him, who follow him, and who speak truth as he is truth. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. So, the righteous person despises anything that is false. The wicked, however, are characterized by continued dishonesty, continued wickedness, continued deceit. As a result... The scripture tells us there in chapter 13, verse 5, again, listen, the righteous hate lying, but the wicked bring disgust and shame. As a result, they, the person who's wicked, they bring shame. Literally, the word here is they cause a stench. They cause a stench for themselves and anyone associated with them. When I read that, I couldn't help but think, you know, my wife and I with our baby, people love babies, right? I mean, you just have a tendency, you see a baby, you just want to like, you just eat them up. You want to take them and hold them and caress them and love them and, and ooh and ah over them. But, but as soon as that baby fills up that diaper in the, in the really dirty way, as soon as that baby fills up that diaper, even the people who love those children deeply and dearly, if you're not quite used to it, what's our, what's our reaction? Ooh. Here, you take this one. That's what's happening here. Even, even though it seems okay and everything seems right, the, the, world, the world looks at, at truth and honesty in, in so many different ways. And, oh, you know, there's really no ultimate truth. You just, you just hold on to what's good for you. And, 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 then, and then, you know, we can, we can put this sourness in it. We can put this putridness in it. And we just live life like we want, and, and, and it's going to be okay. But we throw in that putridness. We throw in that stench. There's that repulsion from it. A person who's wicked, who's continuously, habitually, repeatedly, right, lying. They bring disgust and shame upon themselves and those who are characterized and those who are, who are present with them. Ultimately, we see very clearly that God hates the lips of the liar. He hates lying. He hates deception. So we as God's people should clearly 
clear, clearly steer clear of it. You say, well, all right, that's pretty honest. I mean, that's pretty, pretty obvious. If, if it's just, if it's just a, a, a clear lie, then yes, we should stay away. But, but, but what, if, what if we're just doing things like joking around? Proverbs 26, verse 18 through 19. Like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows, so is the person who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Hear me. Is, is it okay to joke and jest? Yeah, it, it is. And that, that's not what the, what the Proverbs are speaking against here. But, but what the Proverbs is clearly teaching here is that some people, some people, the world, right? They, they try to cover up malicious deception by pretending it was just in fun. But what we see here, this is, this is more than a joke. This is more than just jesting. This is, this is something that is serious. It's, it's hurtful and ultimately it's deceptive. So we see that even, even what we sometimes try to characterize as playful jesting, ultimately it's, it's no excuse for wounding other people. As God's people, we have to be on the guard. Not necessarily from others, but we have to be on the guard in our own lives and in, and in our own flesh and in our own minds and in our own hearts that, that we're, we're just people who are characterized by truth-telling. So I have a question for you this morning. With all that we've seen so far, and believe me, there's so much more about this in the Proverbs. Is, is lying ever permissible? Is it okay to ever tell a lie? Um, can I be honest with you? This is one of those that, man, it, this gets deep. Last night when I was talking with my next door neighbor, our, our, uh, our resident ethicist on the campus, Dr. Jeff Riley, I told him what we were what I was preaching on and talked about some of these things that I'm dealing with, and he's like, Whoa, that's uh that's pretty deep. That can get intense. So you know your resident ethicist says it's pretty deep. There's a lot here. Is lying ever permissible? Hear me, some notable Christian theologians, including Augustine, John Wesley, John Murray. They have taught that deliberate lying, deliberate lying is never permissible. Others, such as Martin Luther and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, have argued that, obviously, here they'll, they'll, they'll put a caveat here, while Christians should be known for their commitment to the sanctity of truth, there are exceptions to the rule against lying. Now, they argue present-day ethicists, those who are known as hierarchicalists, they maintain that Scripture teaches that some moral principles take precedence over others, that lying may be appropriate in cases where telling the truth conflicts with obeying a higher commandment of God. And they point to examples like Rahab. They point to examples like the Hebrew midwives, who protected the lives of children. They'll point to situations like this, and, and they'll even say, obviously the example here, for instance, would be one, one may lie in order to save a life. But then some of those same ethicists then will still wrestle with the fact that even though this might be morally necessary, still breaking God's law is sin. And 
Lying is still a sin. So you have to pick and choose. Hear me. Uh, I'm just going to pause the button right there. So what should we do? Can I just tell you the best thing to do is just tell the truth? As God's people, we're to be characterized by His truthfulness. And God is truth. Just be honest. Be trustworthy. Speak the truth. And if you're ever faced with a dilemma where you have to choose, then you take that up with God. Right? You, you do business with Him. But as God's people, elsewhere in Scripture, we see it very clearly that God hates lying. So we must do anything and everything that we can to speak truth and we'll deal with the consequences as they come. Church, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know it, I mean, again, I, I could sit here and speak on for hours, preach hours about all that's been said about lying and, and what, is, what is sin and what is, what is not. Ultimately, God's people should be characterized by telling the truth. And we become so characterized by telling the truth that ultimately it permeates every aspect of our life. So again, when we talk about honesty, it goes beyond just the aspect of speaking truth. But, but that truthfulness becomes so much a part of our life that ultimately we, we become honest people. We become people who live with integrity. You see, deception can take a lot of different forms. In Israel, deceivers would would use, for example, altered ways to cheat customers in business transactions. Deceivers would sometimes move markers of stones that were, that were put there to place boundary markers and land, and, and, and they would do these different things in order to deceive others to bring benefit to themselves. They were people who had become so deceptive that instead of even though they were God's people, supposedly God's people, instead of living lives of truthfulness, that they were so habitually lying that ultimately, even in their interactions with people, they just became evil and wicked and, dece and deceptive. As God's people, we must be careful to guard against that. Here's some of the examples. You find four examples in, in the book of Proverbs, and someone say, why would you even go down this road? Because if it's mentioned four times, you got to realize it's an issue in the Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 1. I'll read this quickly. Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is His delight. Proverbs 16, verse 11. Honest balances and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His concern. Proverbs 20, verse 10. Differing weights and varying measures, both are detestable to the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 23, differing weights are detestable to the Lord, and dishonest scales are unfair. You say, what in the world is going on there? You see, before the use of coins, a person would actually pay for a purchase by weighing out different measures of precious metals like gold and silver. Wicked merchants, wicked merchants would carry around in their own bags weights 
that they would use as on a scale to, to bring balance of how much gold or silver I'm going to pay you for the, for the objects that I'm receiving from you. And these wicked merchants, what they would do is they would take their weights and, and they would shave off just a little bit from the bottom, just enough that nobody could ever really tell. Right? You just shave off a little bit so that, so that whenever I take the object that you want, that, that I'm buying from you, I will put it on the scale. And, and so I, I'm giving you a, a less amount than is actually I should be paying you. It was a, a common, horrible, deceptive practice in this day. And God spoke out against it. God wanted to make sure that, that his people realized that that literally, this, what this reference is, it's a, it's a balance of deceit and these differing weights. It, it, it ultimately came to, to fraud and deception, and God detested it. Again, deception, it's absolutely offensive to God. Honest scales and balances are from the Lord. Truthfulness, honesty, even in our business dealings, they are principles that come forth from the truth of God himself. He is the source of all standards of right and wrong. He's the one who measures out what is good and evil. He's the one who measured out what is right and what is wrong. And We should measure everything in our lives, in our business transactions, in our everyday life, in our speech, in our conduct. We should measure everything according to God's absolute truth and holiness. Here's another example. Proverbs 23, 10 through 11. It says, don't move an ancient boundary marker and don't encroach on the fields of the fatherless for their redeemer is strong and he will champion their cause against you. Again, you have to understand the context here. These property boundaries in Israel, they were marked by stones and those stones were set back all the way from the time of Joshua himself where God measured out parcels of land and gave it to his people as their, as their possession to be used for God's glory. God said, here's your land. I'm giving you this parcel. You use it ultimately for my glory. So along comes the deceptive neighbor and says, well, I tell you what, I'm going to move this stone this way, these markers, so that, so that I can get a larger piece of land. What were those deceptive neighbors doing? They literally, they were, they were breaking the very boundaries and standards that God himself had set. And these people, supposedly of God, were practicing wickedness and deception. You see, God says that he can't stand it. Now, as bad as that is, as bad as stealing from your neighbor is, he goes on to make another example. That encroaching on the fields of defenseless widows and orphans was even worse. In this same passage, again, Proverbs 23, 10 to 11, it says, Don't move an ancient boundary marker and don't encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong and he will champion their cause against you. You see, God cares absolutely cares for the widow and the orphan. Why? Because God cares for those who, in many ways, are defenseless themselves. 
We know this in Deuteronomy 10. I think you'll see it on the screen. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18. He, speaking of God, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. So what's going on? You see, the Bible teaches us that God steps in as the defender. God steps in as the redeemer of those who cannot protect themselves. This word for defender, redeemer, in the Hebrew is goel. We sometimes refer to it as the kinsman redeemer. Someone who is close in relation so that when someone falls on hard times, then the kinsman redeemer steps in and protects and provides. We see it first in Levitical law, in Leviticus chapter 25, but we're very familiar with, hopefully, the, stu- the, the story of Ruth herself where the kinsman redeemer steps in and provides for his own family. The scriptures tell us that God himself is the kinsman redeemer of his people. So that when we fall on hard times, guess what? God steps in. In this present life, when you and I fall on hard times, which is every day of our lives, and we're characterized by sin, God steps in as the Redeemer through the offering of Jesus Christ in our place. Say, so, so how does all this apply? Hear me, church. Come in here real close and we're done. God says, if you're one of my people, if you're really following after me, if you're really drawing near to me, then then you must be a person who absolutely despises lying, untruthfulness. You and I, we've got to be a people who who always tell the truth, who always speaks the truth, even when it's difficult. We've got to be a people who, who speak truth. Why? Ultimately, because God's delight is in His faithful people. Who tell the truth, according to Proverbs 12. Also, as believers, we should be characterized with honesty, with integrity. Not only should we speak truth, but we should live truth. It should just exude from our lives that when we're dealing with people, they look at and say, you know what? I don't know a whole lot about that guy, but what little interaction I've had, he's a man of integrity. His word is honest. What he says, you can bank on it. We should be people who live our lives in such a way that the world takes takes notice. We should deal with people justly. We should not take advantage of other people. Rather, like our defender and redeemer, who is Christ himself, we should protect those who cannot protect themselves. And then ultimately, church, we'll see that this is wisdom. In the eyes of God. Hear me. Is it natural still to struggle with the flesh and the tendency to lie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the struggle's real. We, we understand that. But as God's people, we should not be characterized by habitual, repeated, ongoing lies and deception. Rather, we should remember that our God is a God of truth and love and honesty, justice. And we 
speaking truth, deal with people the way God deals with us in love and grace and truth. That's wisdom. Church, are you speaking the truth? I know some of you here this morning, you say, you know what, I still struggle with that because honestly, I'm just, I'm not even sure about this whole church deal. Can I tell you that the Word teaches us a lot, the Bible teaches a lot about what, what it really means for God to be Redeemer. In John chapter 3, verse 16, a verse that many of you probably know very well, tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not see death, but have everlasting life. The next verse is very key, though. Verse 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When it comes to the balances of justice, good and evil, hear me, we will always be on the, on the bad end. But God in his love and his mercy and his grace sent Jesus Christ to be our Redeemer, who was able to pay the price that none of us in this room could absolutely, none of us could ever pay. God, knowing that we were still sinners, chose to love us and send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that ultimately the balances of his justice could be met. You and I can't do it. Jesus Christ has done it on our behalf, not to bring condemnation, but ultimately to bring peace to his people. This morning, you have an opportunity to respond to the truth of that gospel. You can draw near to God only through coming through Jesus Christ. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, there's goodness in truth. There's goodness in truth because there's goodness in God. Being the ultimate truth found only in Christ Jesus. If you don't know how to have a personal relationship with God, you have opportunity to receive it this morning. By repenting of your sins, turning from your sins, confessing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. For the rest of us, we still find God's favor in the balance of his justice. Him being a God who loves us in spite of who we are and what we've done wants us to be a people who are characterized by truth and integrity. Even when it's difficult. Even when it's mocked and ridiculed by the world. We as God's people must be truthful, must live with integrity in our words, our actions, business, interactions, in everything in life. We must be a people who share the same love and truth as God has shared love and truth with us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning, Lord, just to dig into your word. I thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to be reminded of of, Lord, how, how you are in control of all things in this world, and even in the midst of chaos and deception and distortion, that you remain faithful, you remain true. 
Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who's never trusted you as Savior, Lord, that right now, that, Lord, they've heard the truth of the gospel, they would, Lord, turn from their sins, they would call out upon the name of Jesus and receive salvation. But, Lord, I also pray for us as a church. Lord, I, I, <laughs> out of all the things we've discussed at this point, Lord, I know that sometimes just the the evil flesh still rears its ugly head sometimes and and in our lives it's it's so easy to tell what we sometimes call a little white lie lord i'm not sure what that is when i read your word lord it's clear that you detest deception you detest untruthfulness lord i pray that you would help us as your people to be honest honest to each other, honest in our interactions, honest in our dealings. Lord, help us to be a people who are marked by truthfulness and integrity, honesty. Lord, help us to look different, radically different from this world. Lord, in the end, may we be truthful in our life so that as we've seen in Proverbs 12, that the Lord, you might delight in us as we glorify you and all that we think, and all that we say, and all that we do. Help us, Lord, to be righteous, truthful, people of integrity, for your glory and yours alone. Lord, we love you, we trust you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.